This podcast is brought to you by Rototo. Experience intense space survival action in this mobile retro arcade game. A rotating shield is the only thing standing between the incoming alien horde and your inevitable destruction. How long can you last? Play now on iOS and Android. All right. I'm trying something new this time where I'm able to monitor my own levels in my headphones as well. Oh, yeah. That's not distracting for you? Um, no, it's actually better because I usually have to kick one ear off mm-hmm. so that I don't sound like I'm in, I don't know, like a can. Hmm. I feel a lot better about talking if I can hear myself a little bit. Okay. I think we're good. Hey, everybody. This is Mark in San Francisco. And this is Gordon in Boston. And this is Build Face. What's up? How's it going? Right, nice this. hat. I like that hat. Thanks. That's, that's, that's uh, new. Slick. Yeah. It's a new lid. Yeah, from lids. Did you go to it lids? Is, of course, it's from lids. <laughs> Where is else any... do you buy hats? Exactly. <laughs> no, lids has totally cornered the market on hats. On hats. That's a weird market to corner. But like, I literally can't think of like if I was like, oh, I need a hat. I literally have no idea where else I would look. Right. Amazon, I guess. I mean, I'd look there for anything, but I don't even know. If you're going to get a specific hat, you know, you can get it at the um, sports venue, of course. Yeah, but, but you got to be close to the venue, right? Like, right. if I want an Astros hat, like, today, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, can, I can go to, like, astros.com. But they have like a crappy selection. You know what I mean? Like their store is always like they just have nothing there. Like I feel like every time I go there, I'm like looking at, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to look at a jersey because I want like a, you know, a jersey for someone. Or like I feel like they don't ever have any actual like I have to imagine that there are more choices than what are available on the website. Oh, yeah. They have all the craziest. Right. Like variations on. Right. On hats. So. Weird ones. They even have the, the SF championship gold ones. It's pretty much mm. just like this, but it has like a gold SF and then mm. like the World Series thing on the side. It looks really nice. Yeah. You think that like gold on a hat wouldn't look good, yeah. but it's like a, it's a good gold. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want that though. It's, it's gaudy. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want orange because I was sick of that because mm-hmm. I, have, I have the other one, but um, right. I'm, I'm digging this one. Yeah, I thought about getting an Astros hat, but like normal baseball hats are just too hot for me. Honestly, this is like this hat that I always I normally wear is like it's got like mesh on the sides and is like light canvas. So it, I mean, and even in this, I get like really hot. Like if it's mm-hmm. if I'm outside for a while, I got to take my hat off. I'm just a sweaty mess. You ever wash that thing? Uh, <laughs> I do. I have a rule. I wash it only in natural bodies of water. <laughs> so like. If I'm hiking or if I'm at like a beach or something, I'll wash it. But by like so that's a, literally that's scrubbing. a general that's a general go rep equipment rule because you also yeah, wash I your backpack. I, I mean, this backpack I've never washed, and the only reason my last backpack had been washed is because I went through two go rep challenges with it, and so it was like spent a lot of time in like a river. But like I don't, I don't know. These things hold up so well. Like I've had this, I've had this hat for God. This is bad radio. I've had, <laughs> I've had, I've had this one for um, God three years maybe, and I wear it daily, 
and it's just like solid. It's part of you now. Yeah, I love this thing. It's a little odd to see you without it. Yeah. Every now and then I walk outside and I'm like, I don't have a hat on. This is weird. What's happening? Well, it also protects against sunburn. Correct. Yeah, I ran a 5K last weekend. Not this past weekend, but the weekend before. Not that it matters, but it was... Congrats, by the way. That's no small feat. I hate running so much. Um, But I ran a 5K and I was going to wear this hat. And then I got out there and it was super hot. And I was like, I cannot have more stuff on my head. So I took it off and put it back in the car. Um, And then I just got burned to hell. Like everything was just burned, which is real bad when you shave your head. Like that's really, really not great. Like I've in like shaving on a sunburn is bad enough, but it, the, what really gets bad is like when you have to shave when your head is peeling and then it turns like into a, like a David Cronenberg movie where you're like, like, you know, it's just like a body horror (laughs) kind of thing. It's real, real gross, real, real gross. (laughs) Aloe vera. I mean, what I else guess. can you do at that point? Yeah. I mean, no. I don't know. You got to take care of your skin, yeah. especially, especially at your age. <laughs> right. It's, right. It, it's time to, you have to, you have to care about these things now. Yeah. But at least your tan or, you know, your head is now tan. Right. So sunburns are less likely. That's the way I was thinking of it. Yeah. 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 And plus, you know, who doesn't want to be tan? <laughs> right. Right. So what's up? How's your, how's your first week? Uh, it was good. I spent it in. I spent it in New York City. Yeah, which I enjoyed way more than I thought I was going to enjoy. Yeah, yeah. I went in with preconceptions about mm-hmm. New York that turned out not to be true. Mm-hmm. So I'm from the suburbs, mm-hmm. and I've never been fond of cities. And I, I keep repeating that line, like you know, I never thought I would like a big city, but I think what I'm realizing now is that I just don't like Los Angeles. <laughs> right. Right. Like I moved to San Francisco, and I thought I wasn't going to like it. It's okay. You know, San Francisco's good. Went yeah. to New York, thought I wasn't going to like it. I love New York. Yeah. The first time I went to Boston, I was kind of skeptical. Boston's yeah. great. Yeah. Boston is an amazing city. Yeah. I think it's just LA. LA sucks. <laughs> that sounds about right. That sounds like my, uh, although I'm not a huge fan of New York either. I've been a few times and I'm like, eh, I don't, not for me. But again, I'm, I'm kind of the same thing, right? Where I'm from small town, middle of nowhere, Texas. And like, this is the closest I've ever been to actually feeling like I live in the city. And if I said that to anyone that actually lives here, like where I live out in Waltham, which is like 10 miles out, it's like right at the, so 95 kind of wraps around Boston and it's kind of like the edge of the Metro area. And I'm like, on like Waltham is on 95 basically. So it's about as far out as you can go and still kind of be in this kind of greater metro area. And I'm still like, this is about as close to in the city as I kind of want to get. Like, there are a couple of people here in this office that live like a block away from the office. And that, to me, is insane. I can't imagine living around here. Why is that? I don't know. Downtown, like, I don't know. There's just so much, so many people and so much crap. And it's just like, that's, it's crazy to me that this is where you would live like my street is like nice and quiet and except for the jerk offs that live next door this whole family of jerk offs like it says it on their mailbox the jerk offs they suck man they're the absolute worst they have like three or four teenage boy kids and they're just the absolute worst i hate them so much (laughs) can you can you give an example of some raucous behavior uh, they do something with 
trucks, right? So so they have at least two of them have like big pickup trucks, which I'm used to, but they have pickup trucks with the kind of like loud mufflers. Oh. And they just sit there and idle in their driveway, which is right outside of our window. Like our, our kitchen window and our um, living room window are like right there. So they just sit there and idle. So I'll be watching a movie and all of a sudden it's just like I can't hear shit because there's this gigantic truck outside. And that thing has like one of those train horn horns like it doesn't have a normal horn and they don't like text each other to come out someone just always rolls up in the driveway and honks their horn i'm just like you are the worst (laughs) yeah it's like that stuff they have a dog and they got this dog like a year ago and just from the beginning the way they take care of this dog is they like open the door and let the dog go out back and bark for like three four hours straight I'm just like, you are the worst. Like, I love dogs. I hate that dog. Like, I hate that dog with a passion. And it's not even the dog's fault. You know what I mean? It's that these people suck at being dog owners. So, anyway, I have opinions about my neighbors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're the worst. That's rough. Yeah. The, the worst I can say about my neighbors, you know, living inside, you know, a building that has um, indoor corridors, mm-hmm. you know, to apartments. Yeah. Which like is friends. odd, by the way. Be- yes, exactly. Because those those do not exist in Southern California. Right. That that is just absolutely not a thing. It's all exterior doorways and stuff. So you get a lot of smells. Mm-hmm. Like you can pretty much smell what everyone is is up to, <laughs> which which usually is cooking, which is fine. <laughs> um, so you know, like the worst thing is like I come in, you know, at the end of the day and it just smells like garlic, which is right. you know, in the grand scheme, right. actually kind of great. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm in an Italian restaurant. Right, which is fine. So I can't really complain. Uh, the, the lady below me really likes to listen to the news really loud, mm. but I think her hearing is going. Mm-hmm. But um, she probably hates me because I walk around with boots on. So right, sure. There's trade-offs. Yeah, like my upstairs neighbors are like, you know, they're in bands and and you know they like to listen to music and stuff. It's like they can be a little loud, but I don't think they're any louder than we are downstairs. You know, like we listen to movies pretty loud and. Yeah, you know, we'll play music and I'll yell at the TV during baseball games. Sure, sure. So. Yeah, I can commiserate with that muffler thing, by the way. Um, so I live on a pretty busy street mm-hmm. and apartment is laid out. Mm-hmm. And so I try to keep my windows open, you know, to try to get some fresh air in there. Yep. And uh, it's the motorcycles, man. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know they don't come that way. I know that, that they take one of those really long screwdrivers, mm-hmm. you know, and you run it up the tailpipe, yep. take a mallet, just crack, crack the muffler. Yep. And I know that it's illegal, yep. but who's going to do anything about it? Right. Drives me crazy. Yeah. Sometimes I fantasize about like running a cable across the street, like when I know they're coming, you know, in sort of like an elaborate ploy. <laughs> yeah. Just sort of at like chest level. <laughs> like a Wiley e. Coyote cartoon basically is what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Like I order on Amazon like an Acme kit and yeah. it comes in like one of those wood crates. Yeah. Like pry it open with a crowbar. Uh-huh. It's just a cable in there. We don't yeah. ship enough stuff in wood crates anymore. I think we should go back to that. That was a cool way of shipping mm-hmm. goods. With hay. Yeah. Like everything's in hay. Right. It's a huge mess. But opening anything is an event. So you get like Amazon Basics rechargeable batteries mm-hmm. and they just come in a tiny crate. <laughs> That'd be awesome. It's just maybe like four <laughs> inches by four inches. Just pop that baby open. That'd be awesome. I'd be so into that. I'm down. 
Anyway, so WWC is coming up. Pretty excited. It's like a month. It's, it's sneaking up. It is. And we have two things we're doing. Two things. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess we have a thing, and then ThoughtBot is doing a another thing. So ThoughtBot's going to do a – we did this two years ago. Uh, we're going to do a breakfast again, and I just got the finalized page for that. And then uh, we're doing a build phase baseball day, which I'm really excited about. And I have yeah. no idea if there are going to be tickets available by the time this goes up. My guess is no. <laughs> Because cause there are barely any tickets left now, and we haven't even like fully publicized it. So I put out a survey the other like a week ago, asking if people were interested, how much would they pay, and blah blah blah. And so we got fifteen tickets. We got a block of fifteen tickets for the Giants Diamondbacks game on Friday, and uh, we're selling those off. I'm so excited about that though. It's Pretty excited. Be so fun. So the seats are in re- are in view reserve, which mm-hmm. is um, which is upper deck, but it's almost in line with home plate. So you know you're pretty high up, but mm-hmm. I think it's a good spot to sort of see like the high level action of the game. Yeah, I found that the altitude of my seat is directly proportional to the amount of beer that I drink. <laughs> sure, and and mostly that's due to budgetary reasons, uh-huh. in that I've spent less money on my ticket, right. so I have more money to spend on beer. Right. So bring your shouting voices. Mm-hmm. You know, if you manage to get a ticket. Um, I'm going to be yelling. Yeah. Like the ump won't hear me. No. But I still have things to say. Tony's going to come. He's going to cheer for the Red Sox again, I'm sure. So excited. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I Like, we, we, we kind of talked about this offline a little bit before we put it together, and we were like, this would be, like, we got really excited about it. I got really, really excited about it. Like, I'm kind of looking for more. I'm almost looking forward to this game more than I am anything else with the rest of the conference, to be honest. Um and so this is going to be the first year we'll do this if it works out. And, you know, there's a bunch of people that couldn't get in. Like, there's a chance that we may be able to expand the tickets, but I kind of doubt it at this point. And maybe next year we do something else bigger, possibly, assuming there's a lot of demand for this. Mm-hmm. And with more notice, I could definitely get more tickets, I think. Right. Well, so my understanding isn't necessarily that it was a problem with getting tickets, right? The problem the problem from my point of view is these tickets cost 30-something bucks a piece. And, like, I just kind of floated it on my credit card because why not? You know, I'd, like, never use my credit card, so it's just sitting there. So floated it on my credit card, but then it's like now I got to make sure I get all my money back <laughs> So that that for me, just the logistical nature of buying all these tickets and then making sure that we can get reimbursed for them. Well, we were also constrained in the number of seats that we could get together. Right. Like sort of seated. Uh, I think we're across like three rows. Two rows. Two rows. Two okay. Rows. I think it's and, I think it's seven and eight. So th- there were limits there in that mm-hmm. section in that price range of getting like a block of seats together. Mm-hmm. So with more notice, like. You know, I could get, say, like 30 or 40. Yeah. If we get up to that number, though, we may have other options with more planning in the future. Right. Maybe better options. Right. Yeah. That would be, that would be sweet. Wink. <laughs> I'm glad you said wink because he winked. And I was like, that's not going to come across on audio. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm excited for that, though. That's going to be fun. And so we'll see. We'll see how it turns out this year and if it's a. If it's a hit, we can mm-hmm. uh, we'll look at doing it again next year. 
and the Diamondbacks are settling back into their position as a last place team. So right. odds are good. That the Giants will win. And we can nice. all go home happy and we can walk down the ramp and everyone's chanting. Yeah. And and I can feel bad for the Diamondbacks fans <laughs> like I did last time with the Mets fan. Mm-hmm. It was like one Mets fan just getting berated for like the 30 minutes it took to walk down the ramp is not good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Go Mets. <laughs> right. uh, anyway. I'm glad we're not, you know, yeah. I'm glad this game isn't against the, against the Mets this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're doing pretty good. Anyway. Oh, so yeah, breakfast. Breakfast. I'll put links to these again. Like there, I think there's a good chance that when this gets published, we'll still have tickets available for the breakfast because we're doing we're capping that at like fifty, I think, mm-hmm. thirty to fifty, something like that. But I'm ninety nine percent sure that the tickets for the unfortunately the tickets for the baseball game are going to be sold out. We'll try to do a bigger thing next year. It's just kind of a test. Um, and I'll put those links in the show notes for sure. Yeah, what else? So what'd you work on this week? You actually did work. I did do work. Yeah. I was digging into UI, doing yeah. do, doing UI stuff. Mm-hmm. Hit on some some issues with tint color. Yeah. I was trying to do that thing, you know, where you dim the tint color of your UI elements when things like alerts or action sheets come up. Yeah. Basically anything with a dimming view should mm-hmm. like desaturate your views. Mm-hmm. I was having a hell of a time doing it. And I was looking through Apple's apps and components, and even they implement it inconsistently. And I don't know if I'm doing it wrong or if there's just something wrong elsewhere that's like breaking that sort of propagation. Because what happens is you, know, you set a tint color on the window, and then when something gets displayed above the window, like an alert or an action sheet, and I think when that window becomes not the key window, mm-hmm. it sends this message down the chain, like the whole view hierarchy, and it says like, the tint adjustment mode is changing. We're going from normal to dimmed or automatic to dimmed. And then that sends like this tint color did change to all the objects. And, and most of the components already dim themselves. And so if you have a, a custom view, you can implement tint color to change and call super and then, you know, do whatever you want. Like if you're implementing draw rect, you can like flip a flag and call set needs display. And then when you redraw, you redraw in gray mm-hmm. instead of some color. Mm-hmm. I, I just couldn't get that propagation to work. I'm still not clear what's going on there. One interesting tidbit, though, is that while trying to debug that and setting symbolic breakpoints in um, set in adjustment mode and tint color did change on UI view, um, I noticed that they're using the visitor pattern hmm. to, to implement that stuff, which um, I'm not going to try to explain because I always have trouble understanding the visitor pattern. Well, do you have a, like a high level? <sighs> I, I, I'm hesitant to even let's, let's to even I'm going to look up on whatever that patterns website is hold on i wish we had joe on the the first time i even had it explained to me was by joe ferris represent an operation to be performed on the elements of an object structure visitor lets you define a new operation without changes that doesn't make sense Uh, so it roughly separates something to do from the object on which it's done at a high level. That's mm-hmm. that's what it does, which is sounds like the command pattern, but I think it's the inverse of that. So a visitor represents an object to be performed on elements of an object. Right. I'm looking at Wikipedia and Yes, yeah, that's where I am it, too. Oh, right. So it says um a visitor allows one to add new virtual functions to a family of classes without modifying the classes themselves. Mm. So in this case that would be like UI view, UI label, UI image view. Instead, one creates a visitor class, and in this case, I think it's like underscore underscore UI tint color visitor, hmm. um, 
that implements all of the appropriate specializations of the virtual function, which means in this case, I believe it implements tint color did change, except the argument is the, the view object. Yeah, exactly. it's a view. So it takes basically the thing that needs to have the thing performed on it, it visits this thing to have it performed on it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So anyway, I, I cool. always think that's interesting because, you know, Apple's public classes implement a fair amount of the gang of four patterns. And I think it's sometimes fun to see that they're using some of the less known ones mm-hmm. internally. Yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah. At some level, I, I don't know why. I guess it's because I, I only, you know, you interact with the high level the public API so much that like, I forget about the internal implementation details of some of these things to a certain extent, you know what I mean? But like, I get surprised when I realize stuff like this, like that I realize that they're actually doing these kind of things underneath the covers and using these more interesting patterns because then what they expose to us are like these monolithic kind of classes that you're supposed to subclass and derive, you know what I mean? Like the patterns that they make it easy to follow are basically like object inheritance and you know you can do some composition stuff for some things but then other things they make it difficult because of coupling between their protocols and and the you know what i mean like we've talked about it before but like the table view stuff right table view delegate table view data source and breaking those out like works to a certain extent but you're gonna have a hard time actually separating out like the delegate stuff from the data source stuff they're just really tightly coupled together and you're going to probably run into problems separating that thing out in general, which is something that I've basically given up on doing at this point. I end up, you know, leaving that stuff in the view controller and extracting my own data source to actually handle the logic. Yep. And that's not so much a problem with the pattern, but rather how they decided which methods go in which protocol. Right. You know, I'd almost just rather have just one, just one protocol or a bunch Right. Like I think instead of one or two, I'd rather, you know, 10, like that would be so much more useful. You could get rid of the optional, a lot of the optional implementation stuff. You know what I mean? Like instead of like one giant data source thing, you know, break that down smaller into something that handles like cells, you know, Mm -hmm. and then another thing that handles views or header footer views, you know, you could break it up farther than they did and and to their credit they seem to have learned some lessons when it came time to do collection views because the methods that i'm talking about that are sort of questionable it's like why is this in the data source or why is this in the delegate typically have to do with layout right. and in a collection view they actually just pull that into a different object that it gets initialized with which is awesome the data source for a collection view only has four methods and the delegate you know for a collection view really has nothing to do with providing things to the collection view. And what I mean by that is that I don't think there's a single method in here that returns anything but a bool, if it even has a return value. Mm -hmm. So it's really just toggling behavior instead of kind of providing things at at, at runtime. So I I think that they did a really nice job with the collection view. Yeah, but like just seeing these kind of, you know, interacting with table view stuff or even even the collection view, you know, where it's better but it's kind of the same basic pattern and it's not you know that's the that's the pattern that delegate pattern is a thing you see everywhere right that's the pattern that they make a lot of use of it it seems like their default pattern and so to see other patterns in their um in their implementation always kind of 
surprises me to a certain extent where I'm like, oh, right. They do know what they're doing and they are doing more interesting things and maybe they're exposing to us directly. But mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a weird way to say that. Well, another good example is the appearance proxy. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what a nightmare that sort of functionality would be to customize all of your UI elements in a consistent way without the proxy pattern? Right. I like that this um, UI tint color visitor, or there's a there's like a method in here called like UI view visitor entertain visitors. <laughs> entertain visitors. Awesome. <laughs> That's someone having fun with naming. Mm-hmm. So did you figure out a workaround for your problems or did you just... Not yet. I have a hunch that something's going on with the window. There are some dependencies that do things with the window and mm-hmm. I suspect that something's not exactly kosher. Mm. When I figure it out, I'll yeah. get yeah. back to you. Because yeah. it's just odd. I, you know, I went and looked in um, mail and I tried to open a composer, composed a message, hit cancel so I get the action sheet that asks me if I want to discard this new message. Mm-hmm. And the bar button items don't desaturate. Hmm. So I thought, oh, that's weird. But that could just be like an iOS 8 thing because it's a little different you know, now yeah. than it was. So I went to Safari and tried to mail a link to myself and did the same thing. And there the bar buttons do hmm. do desaturate. Um, so that's the inconsistency I was talking about. Hmm. So I'm not really sure what it's supposed to be. Like I don't know if they decided in iOS 8 maybe those shouldn't desaturate. I don't see why because they're not tappable. I don't know. It's, it's you know something I couldn't find a lot of information about either. Right. Trying to Google for tint color is actually super, <laughs> like, like specifically that kind of stuff. Like yeah. the desaturating behavior in tint color is yeah. very, very difficult. Yeah. Just couldn't find a lot about it. I don't know. I actually didn't do that much last week. So work. Yeah. Onboarding stuff. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So what are you working on? Uh, I was fighting with push notifications all last week again. Seems to be something I do a lot of, but I found I did find two things that helped a lot with push notifications. So basically, what I was trying to do was, uh, you know, I added push notifications to the app, the registration side of things. Like, cool, shipped that, and now I'm going in like, okay, now we need to respond to push notifications. So I had the, I it took me not a whole lot of time to set it up so that you know you open the app, you move the app to the background, you get a push notification, you interact with it, and then it brings you to like the notifications tab is basically what it's doing, right? And that was easy. And then all of a sudden when I push up for code review, I realized that that wasn't working if the app was out of memory, right? If the app wasn't being held in memory currently, if the app had been killed either by the user or by the system or whatever, like if the app wasn't currently in memory, then this interaction thing didn't work, which is kind of frustrating, honestly. Um, and so I spent a while really trying to understand those APIs because the documentation is kind of, it's good, but it's kind of vague. So the new, a, the new method that they introduced in iOS seven is like, did receive remote notification, fetch completion, handler. fetch completion handler. Yeah. That, that came along with, um, silent push notifications. Right. And so that's what I implemented, but then that doesn't, and that works if your app is in the foreground or if your app is in the background, which is nice, but it doesn't work if your app is out of memory. Like it won't wake up your app. It won't launch your app and call that method. So uh, you still have to go and put stuff in application did finish launching and check the launch options and see if there's a payload, a push payload in there. And now you know that you're 
open from a push notification. But then you get into this like, okay, well, what the hell can respond to it at this point? Because like I start looking through my app and I'm like, nothing's really set up yet once you know, like the view that I need to respond to this literally just doesn't exist. So my old implementation, I was having that view controller kind of looking for these push notification. I was firing a local notification saying from the push notification controller saying like, hey, I just got a push notification. Whoever, you know, I don't know who the hell can deal with this, but someone needs to deal with this. Right. So fire that out. And so at the time I was able to like in this tab bar controller, I was just listening for those notifications, and then when I got them, just flipping over to the notifications tab, right? That's This is kind of the V1 implementation of this. Obviously, it's going to pull up some kind of a respond to the actual item that you're getting a push notification about. But for right now, it's just like just flip to the notifications tab, and that'll be fine. And like that works great if the app is in the foreground or if the app is in the background because that whole kind of UI stack has been set up. But when the app launches, that view doesn't exist, right? It hasn't been stood up yet. So then I kind of went through this thing of like, well, where can I tie this thing into? And the big problem for me was, or the the annoying part was debugging it where like I couldn't use the debugger because I needed to launch the app from the notification. So I needed to like build the app for my phone, like run it, kill it, fire a push notification, respond to the push notification, and then basically watch the console. Because like there was no time in there to attach a debugger to this process because the process needs to be instantiated started from the push notification at that time. It's already too late to attach a debugger to it. So it was just kind of I mean that's that's a fairly common problem, I'm sure, but it was like kind of a pain in the ass. But I did learn one thing, which is that Print line, you know, the Swift function print LN, it, it doesn't actually print. It prints to Xcode, but it doesn't actually print to the device console. So when I was building stuff, I had I had put print line statements all over to be like, okay, what the, what's the actual order of operations here? Where, like, trying to move stuff up in the stack? Like, what's the, where, how early can I get here? And, like, I, I wasn't seeing anything, right? I, was, I had the, all the print line statements have a unique string on it. I was using iOS console which i don't know if you know that app it's like this little app that you can download it's free awesome so freaking nice it's like it's a console right so it just shows the log but it automatically connects to your device once you plug it in and it lets you do real-time filtering so you can just type a filter term in and it will only show you log messages it will search for those messages but then we'll also keep updating the log but only show you stuff so i threw in like push notification in all caps and then i just filtered on that to make sure that i was only seeing the stuff that i cared about which was really nice but none of the print line statements were coming through so i had to flip all those back to ns log and at that point they ended up in the actual device consoles which was kind of surprising to me honestly hmm. so ios console and then i found this or this app my client one of the guys on my client's team told me about this app this apns pusher app which uh, i'll put links to both these in the show notes but apns pusher is awesome it's this little app it's on github you just download it and you just you plug in a device token and then you can just send notifications to that app 
like just from your Mac. So I didn't need to get any server side stuff involved. I just, I just logged the, my token to the console and then copied it and then dumped it into this APNS pusher thing. And it needs your certs set up and whatever. But once I had the certs installed and this token, now I can just fire off test notifications whenever I want. So it was literally like run the app, see it command period to kill the app in Xcode. Then I'd pull up the console and APNS pusher and I'd hit push on APNS pusher. The notification will pop up on my phone, tap the notification on my phone, watch the log, that kind of thing. That little thing saved me so much freaking time. Like, cause otherwise what do you do? You got to get some kind of access to the remote server and hope that they have the actual backend stuff set up for sending push notifications, which in this case, I'm actually not sure if we do yet. Like I know that we're catching and they may not even be saved. Like the, the end point is set up for registration. And I think that's basically it. So APNS pusher highly recommend that thing. Cause that thing mm-hmm. just saved me so much freaking time. But I ended up, I ended up basically again, this same architecture that has saved us so much freaking time in the past saved me again here where like I had talked to the client and we moved into this kind of like application view controller architecture where we have this app VC and that's instantiated through the storyboard. So that actually gets stood up before did finish launching ever even gets called. So that is actually the first thing. So inside in it there, now I can watch those push notifications or the low, the, the notifications for push notifications. That's a weird thing, but I can watch the NS notification center Hmm. and now I can respond to it. And basically what I do then is I save that payload off inside the application view controller and they don't have it broke out as much as we've done in the past where you have like an application controller and an application, like they don't have, it's not MVVM or anything, but so there's probably a better place that I could have saved this push payload off. But in this case, this seemed like the easiest way to move forward is I just save the push payload off. And then whenever I'm standing up that tab bar controller, I just say, Hey, do you have a push payload? If you do make sure that this, the notifications tab is the current tab and then nil out the payload. Cause I'm ignoring it for right now, but this will also work really, really well when we start showing individual things, because now I'm inside this application view controller and I have the push payload and I can say, you know, select the notifications tab and create this view controller with this push payload and then present it and you're off to the races. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to be kind of nice. One nice thing I did on that, on that project we worked on was create a, a sort of container that was like a um, push notification responder container. And so that would get initialized with a payload. Hmm. And, and because we, we already had view controllers throughout the app that could show these various like they were like detailed view controllers for these various model objects. Mm-hmm. And because in the normal flow of the app, these things would already exist. You know, we would just create them and like hand it this model object and go, hey, display all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, when we would get that, when we get it as a push notification, we'd often just get like an ID number requiring an asynchronous fetch to go get that resource and then display it. So what this thing would do is it would take a payload. It would display some loading UI it would defer to its view model to go fetch this thing. Yep. And when it's done, it would take that existing view controller that we had already built and just add it as a child and just throw it like right in there. And then it, it got to continue working as normal. We didn't have to go change all of our details to have this sort of like, oh, do I have a resource or am I going to go fetch it? Right. Sort of thing. Nothing. Like 
view controller containment is super awesome yeah. for stuff like that. Yeah, that sounds great. When, if I ever get to that point, I'm going to probably look into that. I'm not sure that that's scoped for V1 because we're trying to ship like next month. So I might not get to that. But that's a that's a really nice pattern. But yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, I've just been just pushing notifications. I'm about to do some analytics stuff today. How did it take so long for this APNS pusher thing to come out? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I didn't even know this was really possible. I still don't understand how this uh, works. I don't either. Some kind of magic. I, I, I understand very little about the entire APNS system in general. So I'm not – I'm assuming this thing just sits, you know, and it just does basically what, you know, Zero Push or Urban Airship are doing, right? It just does it on a very specific basis where it's just firing single notifications when you tell it to – notification so it's just going to talk to the my assumption anyway is that it's just talking to the apns and act with your cert like you have to have your cert installed have to have your cert installed and i'd imagine that it's just acting like the server component basically like an objective c or swift implementation of a server side apns integration you know what i mean so what my client is building out or what zero push has built or what urban airship has built that's that's there on the web and those are built to handle large scale things this is directly like this is just a small subset of that and it just it's built in objective c or swift and it just handles one push to one token and that's it mm -hmm. they do actually have their own little server component i just found in here right so that's just like a router i suppose well, so there's another thing that you can do that I didn't get it to work, but I also didn't spend a whole lot of time doing it where they also have like a, a bit of code that you can include in your app that then if your app, you just like started up on application did finish launching, you run this little bit of code in your app. And as long as your app is on the same Wi-Fi network as APNS pusher, you don't even need a token. You can just push directly to it. It just sends a push notification over the Wi-Fi. This is really cool. Which that I had no idea you could do. So that is really wild to me. It's a uh, it's it's just going over Bonjour, and it's just using multi-peer connectivity. Right. That new framework from 7.0. Right. And I suppose you actually could have done this prior to that with NSNet service, but this is a nicer API. This is really awesome. Yeah, that thing is cool. I can't I can't recommend. Like I honestly, I'm not sure how i would have been as productive last week as i was had i not had this thing sitting there that i could just like send push notifications whenever i wanted you know what i mean mm -hmm. i gave it a star sure yeah recommend it so that's basically it for me anything else from you no i was gonna talk about we're running out of time yeah. i was gonna talk about migrating to um carthage because i had some questions but we'll talk about that next week. Yeah, let's. Well, two weeks. Uh, yep, we'll talk about that in two weeks <laughs> if we remember. This could be like I. I real. I was listening to an old episode recently. You know, because of narcissism. I don't know why I was listening to an old episode, but I was listening to this old episode where we were talking about one of Rob Ricks's talks. Many types make light work, or something like that. And we, at the end of the episode, we were like, that's your homework. Go listen to that, and then we'll talk about this next week. And then we just never mentioned it again. That was like six months or a year ago. <laughs> I like to think that there's one guy out there that like, had just, all this stuff compiled. He's just and... got all these notes. 
and he like he's like, oh, the new episode is out. He's <laughs> settling up. He's got his cup of coffee. And then he just has to listen to us talk about baseball for thirty minutes. <laughs> Whatever else. Sorry, sorry, that guy. <laughs> what a letdown. <laughs> All right, wrap oh, it up. Boy. Yeah. Show notes for this episode are going to be found at buildphase.fm slash 83. And we'd like to hear from you, so email us at buildphase at thoughtbot.com or reach out on Twitter at buildphase. And we always appreciate ratings and reviews on iTunes. All right, man. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later.